Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Good evening and welcome to this week's Word Up. And in the studio this week, Pastor Aiken, at last, Hi, is with us. I'm here at last, <laughs> rather than do it from home. I thought I'd better come in today, so here I am. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's good, to, good to have you. As for Pastor Ian, he's somewhere, but we're not entirely sure where, out there somewhere. We were talking about the rapture last week, so... <laughs> Maybe it's God making him good on his pre-trip leanings or something. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> if you're out there, Pastor, if you're still with us, please let us know. Yeah, that text would be good right now. <laughs> okay, so we are at Mark chapter 14 this week after going through a whole um, raft of things in chapter 13. Um, all about uh, um, some of the the things that come against Jesus and uh, the the uh, criticisms that he had to um, come against from the scribes and the Pharisees, and we had a look at Daniel and uh, prophecies of Daniel seventy weeks last week, uh, and really you know got into some of the meatier things that are in in Mark, and so as we go on from chapter into chapter fourteen and, and towards the end, which is chapter sixteen. We're moving towards the cross, and uh, tonight we're gonna we're gonna read through um, Matthew fourteen and uh, look at some of the things uh, there, uh, and we'll see that uh, you know we're we're moving somewhere. We're moving towards the, the culmination of uh, the purpose Jesus came as a man to the earth, um, and so tonight we'll uh, we'll start with um, uh, chapter fourteen, uh, and we'll, we'll I think we'll read. Maybe not all of it, but we'll read through to um, I don't know. Let's let's say uh, let's read up until uh, verse eleven. So if you want to go for it and have a, a read up to verse eleven, okay. So we're reading Mark chapter fourteen, verses one to eleven. Now the Passover and the feast of unliving bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, <laughs> or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the, fer the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my head beforehand to prepare for, uh, for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, 
went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Amen. Well, we've come to uh, a point in the, in the uh, narrative where it, it tells us where we are. It's now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, you know, it's, it's good to, to look at these, uh, these markers, if you like, in Scripture that uh, give us, you know, a place in the time in, in the story and in, in history, but also on how it relates to, you know, the history of the Jews and more importantly, how it relates kind of prophetically to what's going on in, in the grand plan of God. And so we, we arrive at, at the Passover, which uh, for the Jews was a very, very significant uh, time of year um, from uh, way back in the Old Testament. I don't know if you want to elaborate a bit on, on what the Passover, Passover is. Yes. So, um, yes, it's, 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 it's always, um, you know, it's always great to have a look into when we're, we're going through the scriptures of the New Testament and to, to go back into the Old Testament to see, if you like, that the shadow, the foretelling of um, what uh, Jesus would come and do in, in, the, in the fulfillment of all the things that he began to do in the Old Testament. And it's, uh, it, it, it just tells us, if, if you like, of God's, you know, unwavering and his consistency. You know, even as we've been going through the gospel, we've been seeing about Jesus, and right from the very beginning of all of the gospels, you can see that he had a mission, he had a purpose, and he didn't let anything distract him or in any way sway him away from that mission and from that purpose. And even when we go back into the Old Testament, even from the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation, you see that you just see this purpose that God has always had for mankind and that great desire that he's always had to have a relationship with us. And so we're looking, even looking at the Passover, we see in the, um, the book of um, Exodus, and we look at chapter 12, we can go and have, have a read of that, Exodus chapter 12, where the Lord tells um, Moses about the Passover. And, uh, you know, he's preparing the people of uh, Israel, you know, they've been in um, uh, you know, bondage to the Egyptians, I believe it's been for about 400 years, and God is now uh, at that point where he's going to deliver the people from this, um, if you like, this slavery and this bondage. And so um, uh, we, we've gone through this time of, of God's uh, judgment on the, you know, the Egyptian gods and all the idolatry that's been taking place in the land, the plagues that have taken place. And before that, uh, the, the 12th and, and the, the final, that's I said the 12th, the 10th, <laughs> and I added two more on there, and, and final plague. Um, God tells Moses to um, institute, you know, this, 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 this Passover meal. And what it really was is that, uh, you know, that, that each family were to take a, a lamb, a spotless lamb without blemish that was a, just a year old, and they were to, um, if, if they were to kill the lamb, and they, they were to apply the blood of the lamb on the um, the doorposts and uh, of their homes. And it's interesting because I was just speaking to Ben before this, that uh, many times when praying, I, I, would, I would pray and I would say, you know, Lord, and I would, not Lord, I've said, enemy, when you see the blood, you must pass over. But when you actually look in the, in the, um, the, the book of Exodus, it's God who says, apply the blood. And so that when he, he was going to bring this plague of the death of the first body, he says, so that I will pass over. Because God was going to bring judgment on, like I said, the, the idols and I, the, all of the idolatry that was taking place in Egypt. So God was the one who actually was saying that, you know, you apply that blood and then when I see that blood, then I will pass over, that death would not come into that household. And um, so that's the, if you like, the, the background to the, to the Passover feast, as we see it in the, um, the book of um, Exodus. I see. It's interesting uh, when we're having that discussion, actually, because, um, you know, unless you dig into scripture, 
you you might say that with Jesus being the you know the sacrificial lamb that oh he was he was killed by the Romans he was killed by the plots of the Jews but actually it was God's plan that he would be sacrificed as, as the Lamb of God. Um, so it's an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting thing that we're always kind of maybe gung ho for fighting the enemy, but actually it was a sacrifice of God for, um, you know, the atoning of the sin of mankind, um, which is a perspective that some some don't get sometimes, which is interesting, um, especially in some of the secular media. There's lots of magazines out. I think it was uh, um, National Geographic. I've got a lot of biblical magazines out at the moment. Uh, and you read through them and it's all about the myths of the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, okay, turn to the back. Nothing about the resurrection at all. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so anyway, so we've got, the, we've got the Passover. So two days before the Passover um, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was a, a seven day feast um, kind of after the Passover, uh, where um, the Jews again were reminded of that significant moment in their history where... Um, they had the Passover where uh, the angel of death passed, passed them over and they all the firstborn of Egypt were killed. Um, and uh, then they were to be ready with their staff in their hand and, and with uh, supplies to, to quickly leave. And the unleavened bread is a symbol of that haste, if you like, that they didn't have time for the bread to rise. They made unleavened bread so they could, they could take it. Um, and it says, it says in Deuteronomy, seven days you shall eat, it, eat uh, the meal with unleavened, the Passover meal with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all of the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So all of this is like a memorial and a reminder, which, you know, for us as Christians, we have that same memorial and a reminder, but it has been um, transformed in, into what we call communion with the bread and the wine. Um, the Jews with the Passover meal, they had uh, lamb and um, bitter herbs and, and all these kind of things. Um, and yet, you know, now it, it, that's our link. I, I love looking at Jewish roots, the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, because we, we came out of, of, of Judaism. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and he came um, for the whole world and they were to be the special people that God poured out his love as a witness to the whole world but yet he came for the whole world uh, but they didn't recognise him when he came um, anyway we, we digress uh, yeah unleavened bread I mean I go down all sorts of rabbit holes like I'm sure <laughs> Pastor Ian and Pastor Aiken do and you know unleavened bread what's the thing about leaven in the Bible symbolic of sin and, uh, and, and of the kingdom of God actually um, Jesus said, you know, the, um, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And he was using that as a picture of the kingdom of God, that everything that the yeast touched, you know, was uh, kind of uh, rose towards, you know, uh, what he was saying was the kingdom of God. And in the same way, he said, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, because their teaching, which was wrong teaching, as we've seen, yeah. also touched everything and, you know, grew up into corruption. Um, but all that to say, you know, we arrive at a time when the Jews are reminded of their deliverance from captivity in Egypt and their haste in which they have kind of had to leave. Uh, and it, it's kind of, you know, paralleling that here is Jesus as the Passover lamb um, at the time of the Jewish Passover when they were celebrating the former um, things of the of yeah. the Egyptian deliverance, 
it was actually the time of their the deliverance of the whole of mankind um which is tra tragic really um that you know the very their very salvation was there and yet they they missed it um which was it was terrible anyway we go on we go on to uh the, the next verse where it talks about the chiefs, priests, and the scribes are our, our friends or friend, frenemies from uh, previous you know chapters uh, where it talks about they were seeking to arrest him by stealth and kill him, um, but they didn't want to do it at the Passover time. You know what? So it, it, well, it, yes, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's it's amazing. Again, it's just to again, Ben, like it was, it's, it's always we're always looking at. Um, we don't like looking at the. Scripture just in a forensic, if you like, way where we're just trying to like distance ourselves from and just reading all the history. And we always want to bring it into, you know, our, the application and how relevant it is to us as Christians now. And um, like you've rightly said, it is, it's, there's almost this thing where the Pharisees seem to feel that in some way, in some strange way, they have control over what's mm -hmm. going to happen to Jesus. So they're they're saying, you know, that you know, we look in, um, uh, I think it's in John's Gospel where they decided that they wanted to kill him before the feast. And then they, we have the triumphal entry, and then they they see that well, the crowds are going after him, and then they decide to change their minds. They're thinking, "Oh no, we can't do it now because he's so popular now. And if we did it now, we, we, the people might riot." And and it's it's, it's just this strange mm. way where they seem to think that they are in control of things, but the the, the reality is that God is sovereign, isn't he? And he's Amen. in control of all of these things. Where they might be thinking, "Well, we, we were going to do it privately. We we're going to do it here. We we're going to do it now." No, he's the one who has determined the exact time and the exact place where this was going to take where this was going to happen. And I know you, you, you've, you've looked into this, you've got some scriptures there where they, they've said, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And every time they were, even an occasion where they were going to throw him over a cliff, weren't they? That's right. And yeah. it just, you just, he just walked through, through the yeah. midst of them. Yeah. And so they, there was never a time, and, it, and we need to, I think we need to um, grasp this as Christians, that there was never a time when any of those um, religious people were in control of what was going to happen to God. What was going to happen to Jesus? He was yeah. always in control, Absolutely. and we should take comfort from this in our lives as well. That it's the same thing. You know, there might be times when we're facing difficulties, we're, we're facing overwhelming circumstances, and we might feel that we're no we're no longer in control, that things are out of our control. But we should always be comforted by the fact that God is in control, yeah. and as we continue to you know to commit our lives to Him, to seek Him first, that, to, you know, to submit everything that we do to Him, knowing that He's He's in control. And though it might seem like we're not in control or things are out of control, he's always in control. And so like you've rightly said here, they're, they're trying to make plans to do everything on the sly and to set the time and the date when they were going to do things. But no, he, he was in control of everything. Right. And uh, <laughs> their plans were always blown out of the water yeah. every yeah. single time because, you know, the, the Lord was in control. No one was going to take his life from him. You know, he was the one who was giving his life because, like you said, he was that um, he was the Passover lamb. He takes yeah. away the, the you know the sins of the world, and we should also take um, comfort from that as well. That if it, back in the Old Testament, if the blood of, of of a lamb would cause God's anger and wrath to pass over, then how much more the blood of His Son? You know, we Amen. should take comfort in that as Christians. That you know, I know sometimes we we do things and we think, oh, you know, there's no forgiveness for this, or there's no way back for this. There's no hope now. I've gone too far, but this is the blood of Jesus Christ we're talking about here. Amen. And so we ask ourselves, we should ask, is is there anything? to you know that we've done that would cause god not to forgive us if we you know we confess that sin we we, we confess our faith in what he has done that his sacrifice of his blood alone mm -hmm. you know is, is sufficient for the sins that we have committed even the ones that we haven't even committed yet, we don't even know about yet but to you know and walking with him we, we should take comfort and 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 the faith as well to believe that that sacrifice that he made once for all for all men it's sufficient uh, for, for all sins amen 
Yeah, I always go think of when we were studying Peter, and it, it speaks right at the beginning of uh, the sprinkling of the, the, of the blood. It talks about Christians being sprinkled with the blood of, of Jesus, obviously. But it, again, harking back to the Old Testament, where the Jews stood before the mountain of the Lord and, and were sprinkled with blood as a sign of their commitment to the Lord. And in the same way, you know, the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus and our acceptance of his sacrifices is that, you know, same kind of commitment to him. Um, again, the parallels are, are amazing. But yeah, um, as Pastor Aiken was saying, you know, there, was, there were many occasions when uh, they, they sought to, to kill him, uh, like you were saying, when they tried to throw him off the cliff. Also in John 5.18, for healing on the Sabbath and calling God his father. Uh, and then John 10 for saying that he was the son of God. He was, he was sovereignly in control of his own crucifixion. Um, and, you know, there were several times uh, where he said, my time is not yet, my time is not yet. Um, I think probably around the times when he was withdrawn, he, he, he always says that Jesus withdraws to a lonely place or withdraws for prayer away from the crowds who wanted to like make him king. And he's like, no, my time is not yet. But now... We have, uh, it, it says uh, in Matthew 26, it says, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And then in verse 18, he says, my time is at hand. So he, he knew the timing of what was going on. And he said, now my time is at hand now. Um, you know, and, and, and this was the time. Um, and he said, when, when they sought a place to celebrate the Passover again in Matthew 26, my time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples, speaking to the, to the guy that was had the house they were going to celebrate in. Um, and it's one of those biblical doctrines, I love, I love doctrine and theology, <laughs> you know, it's one of those um, kind of dangerous places, you know, that some would say we, we shouldn't mess with. But I love looking at uh, the whole sweep of theology and uh, and this particular one is it was all about something that is termed the providence of God. Um, basically, you know, that things had to happen at certain points for, you know, all in God's plan for things to happen later. And it, it will see um, today and in, in further weeks that people even did things that they thought were off their own back um, as, you know, with, with uh, good intentions and sometimes bad intentions. They, they just did these things. But actually, what they did off their own back fitted into the puzzle, the grand scheme of things. They were actually ordained, you know, long, long ago, and they were kind of fulfilling these prophetic things that were going on just just by doing something. And I mean, we'll look at that in a minute and a bit more. But I found a good, a good uh, um, Puritan. I love the Puritans. A good Puritan quote about God's providence. This is from a guy called Jeremiah Burroughs. Uh, from his book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And he's, he's talking about God's providence. And he says, In a clock, stop but one will, and you stop every will, because they are dependent on one another. So when God has ordered a thing for the present to be thus and thus, how do you know how many things depend upon this thing? God may have some work to do 20 years hence that depends on this passage of providence that falls out this day or this week. And you think about, you know, oh. your, your own lives, if you like, you know, what what happened, you know, say 20, 20 years ago that, that has implications today, you know, that, that is yeah. decisions that you, you made or you thought you made 20 years ago or what God led you into 
that now have, have borne fruit, you know, this far down the line. And all along, you were in God's plan. Mm. But, you know, you, you're making these decisions as you go along. And then because you made that decision here, here, you know, God has borne fruit. And they, they can, I can think of many, many things in my life that, uh, you know, I, I could have gone this way or that. Um, but, I, you know, I chose one way and, and it, things have come out for good later on. Wow. So I, I go on and on about theology, but yeah. yes, <laughs> you know, profound, it's, it's, I have to say that's profound because it, it, does, it, does, it doesn't just you know you know it's not just talking about you know the good things. So sometimes we think of all the good things and we think okay, there's a good something good has come out of that. Mm. But there, there are things that sometimes happen to us which we, if we were in control of our lives, we we wouldn't have you know allowed those things to happen yeah. and yet god has still brought good out of those things as well that that's, you know that's amazing the providence of god isn't it yeah and we yeah. sometimes look back and we think wow you know at the time i didn't want to go through that experience i didn't want to you know to have to you know meet with those people work with those people but yeah. looking back now like you've rightly said 5 10 15 20 years ago we're like well thank god that happened yeah. well thank god that thing that i really wanted didn't happen because if it had happened i wouldn't be where i am today absolutely and, and it's only god that can set things in motion like that aren't he? yeah isn't he? You know, something yeah. that we do today, its implications will be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. That's amazing Absolutely. because he's the owner of time, isn't he? God yeah. is in control, isn't he? He is, he is in control. And, you know, no matter who they were, the scribes, the Pharisees, Caiaphas or Pontius Pilate, you know, they thought they were in control. And even Jesus says, you know, we'll even see that later on. He says, Pontius Pilate, you've got no power other than what was given to you, other than what was allowed for you to have in this situation. So we move on to um, the, the next part in verse, uh, verse 3, where uh, we get this wonderful, wonderful thing happen, you know, for, for Jesus, um, that, uh, that Mary, the, uh, we find it, that it is identified as Mary in, in John, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, um, does for Jesus. And uh, it's interesting because this event uh, in these verses, these next verses, actually happened like a week before this, before the triumphal entry, when Jesus was at dinner at a man called Simon the leper's house, possibly, you know, a man that, well, more than likely a man that he cured from leprosy, um, because, you know, the Jews wouldn't be anywhere near a leper having dinner otherwise. Um, and he was there, but Mark seems to have put it here, um, when we're getting towards, you know, the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, as, as a kind of uh, showing you a lead up to it, and, you know, we'll see that that Mary anoints Jesus, um, and I mean, I'll just have a quick quick read through again. Um, while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. So I'll, I'll stop there. Um, you know, she's got this uh, this this really expensive, you know, perfume. Uh, I don't know if you you know what you kind of got from 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 reading through yes. that or reflecting yes. on that. I mean, yeah. I've got loads, but I, I've talked too much already. But it, yeah, <laughs> you go well, for it, Pastor. It's, it's, it's always a joy out. to listen to me because I know you love di digging deep into, oh, into the scriptures. Just, yeah. I just love it. Yes, there's so much in it. You can get lost in it. Can't yeah, you? absolutely, and I do. <laughs> you know, look, looking at this again, you just see that um, you, you know Mark writing. He he's he, you know you look at those details. He, he says that he was in the house of the man the Jews knew as Simon the leper. And then there's this woman, Mary. And, you know, I think in, the, in this day and age, when we're reading that, maybe it doesn't have such a, an impact on us as it would have done to the, 
you know, the, the early Jews and the, the Gentiles who came to faith reading that, because one, you know, you've rightly said, um, Jews wouldn't have any, anything to do with the leper. So the fact, even if Jesus had healed him, the fact that he was still known as Simon the leper, they wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere near no, his home. And then you've got Mary, you know, again, in those times, men were, you know, it was that they ruled, they, they had everything, everything was came through the man, you know, um, the, the inheritance, everything. So, but here it is, Jesus again, he's, and this is something I guess for us to take on board again, that people who in, in, in his time, you know, they, they weren't, would, they wouldn't have been the, um, if you like, the people that the, the Son of God would have associated with. Let me put it like that. He, I guess in, that, in those days, the, the Pharisees, the teachers, the scribes would have been the, you know, the, if you like, at the top of the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. They would have been the ones who, if the King of um, Kings and the Lord of Lords was coming to work, he would have gone to them first. And that people like Simon the leper and Mary, they, I mean, they would have, they wouldn't even have been on the no. invite list if there was one, you know. But the, but the Lord, He wants to spend time with people like this because they are the people who recognise who He was, you know, other than the, the the scribes and the Pharisees. So again, you know, you're looking, we're looking at um, what Mary did here, and I think later on He does say um, Judas is complaining about, you know. A year's worth of wages have been wasted on this one, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. all, and all of that, and how the um, it, it, there's a possibility, there's a strong possibility that what Mary that this was a, a heirloom that Mary had that had been passed down to mm -hmm. her, maybe from her grandmother to her mother to her mother to her, very you know very expensive, very costly, it would have meant a lot to her. So for her to have just um, you know uh, poured that oil over over the Lord's head, it was something. It's like an inheritance that she had, mm -hmm. just like I guess in this day and age. You know, if you inherit a house from your your parents and you just give the whole thing up, you know, for for the Lord's work. So, I there there was this outcry, wasn't there? Like, you know, why has she done this? You know, yeah. and yeah. Um, even in the in the outcry, there's sometimes there is a um, there's a revealing of the heart, isn't there? Yeah. Sometimes when as Christians we see people who they give so much, they sacrifice so much, mm. and you know, there's a, a sense of jealousy. You know, there's a jealousy in our hearts. Oh, wow, you know. This person is so, you know, you know, sacrificing so much for God and I'm not doing something. And rather than humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, Lord, I really need to take a look at my life because why am I not doing this? Instead of doing that, they, they started to attack her, you know, and what yeah. Judas started it. But then the others got involved as well, like because maybe they had a hair loose, maybe they had something that really meant a lot to them, but they had kept it to themselves. You know, yeah. they weren't really, they weren't willing to, you know, to, to give it to yeah. the Lord, and they suddenly felt she better. Shamed she shamed them exactly. Yeah. She's embarrassed them, and they feel, oh, you know, and the woman as well. You know, yeah. the men would have thought, you know, we're in control, we're in charge, we give the best, we do the best. We're his closest associates, so we should be giving the best. We should be making the most sacrifices, and they suddenly see. That this woman has, has outdone all of them. She's given more than they've ever given all yeah. the years that they've known him, and they feel maybe they feel embarrassed, and they're trying to hide that by attacking her. So um, I'll stop there. But it's, again, it's to pull it home for us as well that yeah. when we see people, maybe we've been Christians for such a long time, and we feel that you know oh, we've done so much, and then we see you know a younger person, someone who's just come to faith, or someone younger in age, and they and they've made this, they've done something amazing. You know they've. You know, they've shared a, shared a word like um, Canel showed an amazing, you know, uh, teacher this morning. Oh, it was yeah. mind-blowing, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. It was absolutely was awesome. incredible. Yeah. She was absolutely yeah. awesome. It was an anointed word from God. And to start feeling that, oh, you know, why? Well, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've never had this sort of revelation. I've never had this sort of response. And you start to feel, you know, jealous. And we, yeah. should, we need to guard. We need to guard. Our, we need to be careful about things like that. And when we see that God is uh, using people that 
maybe we wouldn't expect that he would use to do amazing things rather than being jealous of them or envious or saying bad things about them. Mm. You know, we need to acknowledge our own shortcomings and yeah. then we need to encourage those people to say, wow, absolutely. you know, that, that's what, what you've been doing there is absolutely amazing. We need to bring these things home to ourselves so we're not just saying, oh, Judas is bad, those disciples were bad, but we need to look at ourselves, not point the finger at them, but actually look at ourselves and see, look, I can see some yeah. of myself in, in, in those reactions. And celebrate each other <laughs> as well. I mean, where they were, they were kind of indignant and criticising of it, you know, I kind of think, you know, the opposite side of it, you know, when, when, we, when we see someone really pour out their heart in worship mm. or really do something amazing for the Lord, it's like, you know, cheering them on, like, mm. you know, really, you know, it, it's so encouraging to be, um, you know, encouraged, right, as you're yes. doing stuff, you yeah. know, rather than kind of be looked at with suspicion or, you know, kind of criticised. It's, you know, they, they always say, you know, it, it, you could, people get criticised, but if they get encouraged, they'll never forget you. You know, if you encourage them, you'll never be forgotten. But yeah, I mean, my, my reflections, if you like, on it, you know, uh, uh, the the value of what uh, she had there, um, in thinking of, you know, we're in the ancient world here, um, and Jerusalem and like Israel were the center of what you know they called the Silk Road. I think that were you know the the hub, the center of the world, where all the all the stuff from the east and all the stuff from the west kind of converged. And she had an alabaster jar, which was like a, a really fine variety of marble, which was actually quarried in Egypt. And then in in that, um, you know, there was this this it's called pure nard, which actually came from India. You know, which is even further away. Um, and you know the way she 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 broke it as well. We've got these um, the, the alabaster jar. You know it, it kind of was molded to hold that perfume. So I don't know in some way if it was kind of molded around it and sealed shut um, for later on, like for her a wedding or a, a burial or whatever. And when it was broken, it was broken. Was it. We have these little vials of antibiotics at work, and and they're, they're glass, and you have to kind of snap them in a certain way, or they shatter everywhere. Um, and it's the same thing. Once they're open, they're open. That's it. Uh, and she had this this uh, this thing that was, you know, it said it was worth three hundred denarii. And when you think like the wage at the time for a day's work was one denarius, you know, three hundred is, is, you know, uh, it, it, it's amazing. You know, uh, that was her offering. That was the value of her offering. Um, and and Judas, you know, we, uh, Judas is identified in in John twelve six as the one who kind of criticised her first, mm. uh, and then it goes on to say because he he was a thief who mm. helped himself to the money bag that had been placed into his care, um, and it, you know it, it kind of promotes more study into looking at Judas along the whole timeline of him being a disciple. What was going on there, you know? But his heart was revealed because immediately. His thoughts are, you know, of finances, um, and and Jesus, you know, he, he kind of said to the to this, you know, you know, in his response, "Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me." And he said, "You've always got the poor with you, and you can do good to them whenever you want, but you won't always have me." She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. And what she has done will be told in memory of her, um, you know. And and we go back to this providence thing that she did it out out of a, a, an act of worship and pure devotion to Jesus. Mm. And some some scholars would say that you know Mary didn't have any knowledge that he was going to die. Um, she was just doing it out of pure love for him, at, 
uh, out of her heart, and that was her intention, and that was what she, you know, she, she wanted to do, you know, the pure act of worship. But in that act of worship, she was actually anointing him for his burial. That was interpreted in the, the grand scheme of things as an anointing for his burial. She didn't know she was doing that, but Jesus said, you know, that that's the symbolic nature of what you've done for me. Some scholars would say that because Mary was a listener, whereas Martha was the worker, Mary was the <laughs> listener at Jesus' feet, that she maybe she did have some insight um, into Jesus's burial. Because uh, in another place it says she, Jesus said of her that she did what she could. Mm. Um, and at that point, you know, you can't just maybe if she knew he was going to die, that she wouldn't have another opportunity to to honor him and prepare him for his burial because he he would be crucified as a criminal and criminals got chucked on the rubbish heap of Gehenna outside of Jerusalem no tomb nothing just thrown in the rubbish uh, and you know she probably thought well I need to anoint him now because I won't get a chance later on it was a pure pure act of, of devotion and love and, and also uh, you know a sacrificial and a prophetic act um, that you know it was it was part of the, the symbolic plan if you like and we'll see you know that's that's Mary doing something out of her own heart mm. But having major significance in in the, the timeline of Jesus, and um, we'll see probably maybe next week or the, maybe the week after, that the high priest Caiaphas actually says something that he was saying, you know, off his own what he thought was his own back, but it actually had, you know, big prophetic significance. But we won't we won't get into that now. You know, but there we have, you know, uh, they thought it was waste, you know, but Jesus said this is this is not wasted on me this is this is an honor you know we we never we never waste anything when we honor the lord um and you know he's and she you know it really just speaks of such utter love and utter devotion that she gave all that she could uh and did it while she could um for Jesus, yes. it was amazing. I was it just reminded me. That I was reading a, a commentary where, um, you, you know, the commentator was was making a distinction between uh, what Mary has done here, and there was another Mary who anointed the the Lord's feet, feet yeah. and wiped um, uh, his feet with her hair. And he was saying that there's a he made a distinction between the two. He was saying the first one it was equally amazing because she was thankful to the Lord for what He had done for forgiving her all of her sins, and out of that. She was worshiping him. Well, he was dis distinguishing this one in that you know the focus was this focus was all on Jesus. It wasn't about her and her sin and being forgiven. It was all about all giving all him. the glory and all the honor to him. And he, yeah. he was just saying that um, you know there, there were, there'd been a preacher who he said people would come to him and say, oh, you know, sometimes people would come and say, what can I do for the Lord? When they see someone doing something amazing for God, they would come and say, what can I do for the Lord? And he would always say to them, well, you know, I'm not, I can't tell you what to do. You know, it, it's got to come out of your relationship with the Lord. You know, you, yeah. you've got to come out of your love for him, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, what? so that's what's that's what's going to make the difference. And for, and like you rightly said, maybe she knew or she didn't know what, what she why she was doing what she was doing, mm. but she did it and as it's, it's pointed out there he said that wherever this gospel is preached you know this woman will be remembered for what she's done yeah. and but that i'm sure that wasn't her intention she wasn't doing it because because she there was no way she knew that this bible was going to be written in the way that it has been and yeah. that she would be mentioned or the lord would actually she wasn't maybe she wasn't even sure about the way the lord would react because of what the how the disciples had been rebuking her if she was thinking to herself oh maybe i've done something wrong here until the lord actually had to step in and say no she's done yeah. a good thing you know she's done what actually right she's done what she could do yeah. and uh, you know we're encouraged to do what we can do 
And um, again, in a commentary I was reading, it was saying again that we should be looking to do things for the Lord out of our love for Him, out of our relationship with Absolutely. Him, and not looking to do things so that people would, you know, say, "Oh, what a wonderful person this is," or "What a no, no." We're not. She wasn't looking for the praises of men. She was looking to do something to honor Jesus. That's it. We yeah. should always, you know, it speaks to us. I guess we should always do things with excellence, no matter where where you are, you know, or what you're doing. Uh, I used to, my mum got me um, uh, Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening readings. Um, and there was, I think there was a, one, one of the readings in there was like uh, about no matter what you do, dedicate to the Lord. And um, then whatever you do, wherever you are, like the, the kitchen, the hospital ward, the, uh, the school or wherever you are becomes a temple of praise to the Lord. Mm. Whatever you're doing, David Paulson himself, remember he, he spoke about a guy sweeping the streets um, and he used to go to a church before he started work, lay his broom on the altar and dedicate it to the Lord, mm. you know, and it's, it's do, you know, do everything with excellence uh, before God and not before man. And, you know, God sees and, uh, you know, he, he promotes um, uh, and he, well, we don't do it for that. We don't do it for open reward. We do it for the honor of the Lord like she did. Um, and you know that we we do it with excellence because it's for the king and what she did had you know it's almost regal in its its honoring of, of the king the way that she anointed him um and it, it really is an example to us you know right should we get into the contrast <laughs> of judas who you know contrasted with you know this beautiful yes. wonderful thing that happened we've got the cad yes we've got um, the we've yeah. got the snake yeah um in uh in the next bit so i'll let you you know i'll let yes. you kind of uh, yes. take the lead on this bit if you yes. want to make yeah. some, some comments it, 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 it's, it's interesting to note as well just just just, uh, just uh, one further thing i just remembered from the, one of the commentaries that i read is that you know you know jesus had absolute and total confidence in you know in his father and in the plan that they had to redeem mankind because you could see at this point he's, he's always been telling his disciples you know Going to be, going, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. I'm going to be crucified on the third day. I'll, be, I'll, I'll rise again. He's told them all of these things. And um, when he's been anointed by Mary, he actually says that uh, he, he makes this statement. It's something that we can sometimes pass off when he says that wherever this gospel is preached, did he say wherever it's preached in the world? Yeah, in the whole world. In the whole yeah. world. And it's that the Lord, even at because if you think about now that we're reading it now, it's 2,000 years plus since it makes sense. But at that point, if you could, if you could go back to that point in time when they were in, you know, Bethany, I don't know, it's a smaller, a large town in Israel. He wasn't known in the whole of the world. He was known in Israel, but not in the whole yeah. world. And and for him to make that declaration then that wherever he didn't say maybe this gospel, he said wherever this gospel will be preached in the world, mm. there was com- he he had just had that, that complete, total, utter confidence that this gospel that we're reading now was going to be written it was going to be you know read all over the world mm. <laughs> everyone was going to read it and what this woman had done it was going be to be known yeah. and so we should take again comfort in that in that when god speaks a word to us when we we, we, we see a word in the word in the in the bible we're reading it the holy spirit is speaking to us and saying yeah this is for you this is we should take confidence that, that word won't return void to god it will be accomplished in our lives and whatever word it is whatever promise it is we see in the world we can be completely and and totally 
Amen. have utter trust in that word that it will come to pass. Amen. And Amen. you know, talking about Jesus' character, as you said, the the contrast with, with Mary, it seems as though you know, like you rightly said, it's like you, you, when we when we try and think about his life, we know he's um, we don't have, if you like, that initial encounter with the Lord like we had with Peter and Andrew mm. and some of the other disciples, but. At one point, he was chosen. You know, the Lord came down from the mountains. We prayed overnight, and he chose him as one of the twelve. Yeah. And we're, we're assuming that at this point, he had been with the Lord for about three years. He'd seen all the things that he'd said. So he'd seen all the things that he'd done. He'd heard what he'd said. And yet, even at this point in time, we still see these, these, um, if you like, this contrast to what you would have ex you would expect from one of these close associates. And like yeah. you've rightly pointed out in in John's account, he does say that. The reason why he was um, criticizing this woman was because he had been stealing out of the purse, basically. So he was yeah. in charge of the money. He'd been stealing the money. So he didn't say, you know, she'd done this. It was a waste because of, um, you know, the fact that he was really concerned about the poor. He was really, he was just that he loved money. And yeah. the, the Bible does says that, you know, that the love of money is the root of all evil. Isn't it? And that, this seems to be the, the, an issue that he had, that yeah. even though he was with Jesus, even though he's... He heard all he said and he saw all he did. The issue was never resolved. And, mm. um, you know, in some of the commentaries that we read, we, we, you know, we, we, we read some of them saying about, Jesus, about Judas that, you know, could he have done anything about it? Because, you know, it's like he was destined to <laughs> yeah, be the yeah. one who would betray the law. So it's, it's almost some people say, well, what could he have done about it? And, it, uh, and it's like, you know, some people would, would, would use that as an excuse today to say, well, if I'm doing this, I'm like, what can I do? You know, God is in control. He could, he could you know, there's nothing I can do. But, you know, this is, I was, I've been reading some of the comments and they, and they would just say, no, but this is, it's, it's the wrong way around. That what, what it was is that God had, you know, that divine knowledge of what was going to happen. So it wasn't that God chose Judas and said, right, this is the one who is going to betray um, Jesus. But he knew that that was what he was going to do. And uh, I was actually reading another comment. It was just saying that even at the, when, we, we, when we read about the Lord's Supper later on, when he said, you know, one of you is going to betray me, that is, it was like it was giving him an opportunity to actually repent. Yeah. I was reading that in one of the yeah. commentaries. So it was almost as though, like, I know one of you is going to do, but, you know, even at this point in time, you could still choose to, you know, to repent and not do that. Some people will say, well, if he didn't do that, how would... Um, how would the Lord have been, you know, yeah, yeah. betrayed? Yeah. And how would the, all, the, all of the scriptures have been fulfilled? Well, we, listen, we don't know. What yeah. we know is that he, it's like he was given an opportunity. Maybe yeah. if he had taken the opportunity, he still, the, still, the scriptures would still have been fulfilled, but maybe not through him. This is, yeah. I mean, obviously this is all conjecture now. Yeah, yeah. But we, we, still, we still come to the, the man who, for some reason, in spite of that relationship that he had with Jesus, he still wasn't able to... You know, to deal with this issue of that love of money, yeah. and and I think it's a warning for us as believers, isn't it, that we you know we can be Christians for a long time, and we can be close to the Lord, and the Lord can be sharing things with us, you know, revelations and secrets and all sorts of things, just the same way that Judas was privy to all of these things. And yet, if we don't allow God, if we don't repent, if we don't submit these things to God, if we don't you know ask Him to help us, if we don't yeah. seek Him earnestly for that help, for that you know for that change, we we. We know we shouldn't think that um, you know that the length of time or the revelation or even as Kenel was saying earlier this this, this morning about the gifts yes. just because we're walking in the gifts and there's yeah. miracles happening or we, we we have revelation and people love the preaching and the teaching we shouldn't take that as um, you know a, a, if you like a, um, the fact that we can then go and do we can still hide other things you know if it, yeah. whether it's the love of money or yeah. there's some other you know thing hidden sins in our life that mm -hmm. we're not willing to deal with yeah. we, as you rightly said today we need to submit our lives fully yes. to, to God so that we can see a deliverance from all the things that might be displeasing to God in any way and 
Unfortunately, this did, didn't happen in the life of Judas. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's again, going back to Canel's message, Canel, if you're watching, you know, really impacted <laughs> lives this week. Yes. Yeah, you can have it, you can have it, you can have it all together on the face of it, but behind the scenes, you know, and, you know, I'm sure you've got a stroke, you've had struggles in life, got struggles yeah. in life, me too, you know, and being in ministry, yes. you know, worship ministry is especially vulnerable place and, you know, uh, look at me I lead worship I play the drums and the guitars and I'm on word up you know isn't it all great but you know you, you know it's like this yes. but you don't know exactly. backstage yeah. and that's where yeah. it's, it's, it's so important to keep yourself you know really humble and it, it's not it's not easy you know mm. I must have it all the time and but I think you just got to keep that open heart before the Lord and say God, I've just lost it this week, yeah. you know, and I, I just come to you and ask for your mercy. That's all yes. I can do. Yeah. I rest on your mercy and yeah. grace. And, you know, you're the only reason why I'm here doing this. You know, you're the only reason why I get to lead worship or, you know, I, I do all the things that I do and, you know, the Absolutely. things that we yes. enjoy. Yeah. And really going back to that route and keeping your hearts humble and things like accountability between guys especially and, you know, um, brothers in the church is, is so, so key, especially these days, yes. you know, to keep uh, keep your heart open and before the Lord. Yeah. So Judas, yeah, he's, uh, you know, people always bring, they, they talk about, you know, did he have a choice? And they always bring up Pharaoh when they talk yes. about things like that. You know, Pharaoh, he said, oh, you're reading it in the Old Testament, you know, that God raised up Pharaoh to display his glory and God hardened his heart in this situation. And, he wouldn't let the, the Israelites go and God hardened his heart. But actually, if you read it, there were places where God hardened Pharaoh's heart to display his glory. But there were other places where Pharaoh hardened his, mm, his own heart, nice. where he had a choice. Uh, and he could have let the Jews go and you know honor, honor, honor God and made good on his supposed repentance before the Lord. But he, you know, he hardened his own heart. And the same with Judas. You know, we don't know that. Like you say, this is all just, uh, you know, hearsay but we you know we god you know is merciful um and judas made choices that we know of um that are recorded uh and you know there are obviously consequences from that um but in the grand plan again you know things were happening that were in the, the timeline of god and if it hadn't happened this way god would have worked another way for it to happen you know um <clears throat> so you know i think we're seeing what we're seeing in all this it is you know that as we've been saying all along that god is in control god is in control um, and jesus knew that in ultimate trust in his father you know and we see it, it where he says to people you know you've got no power except which is which is given to you and he walked towards the cross still as a man you know and he had to set his face like flint and you know he knew what was coming but you know he he was able to 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 do that because he knew the ultimate goal um, and we're starting to see, you know, things like that happen now. So, I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's been <laughs> yeah, again a really in depth <laughs> thing. We've got to, to this point, verse eleven. Um, it, it's quarter two, so you know we'll, we'll kind of wind, wind things obvious, up. Yeah. And we got we got a lot, you know, this chapter we were looking at earlier on this morning, thinking, wow, there's a lot here, you know, and there's lots of varied stuff here as well. Um, and we'll stop there because you know, next week we're talking about you know Passover and, and and the institution of the Lord's Supper, which for me, you know, there there's some deep deep things in there that I'd love to dig out uh, for for next time. But yeah, you know, 
Here we go. Thanks yes, for joining yes, us. Yes, you know, uh, uh, and we'll. Uh, <laughs> I did see Pastor Ian pop up. So rest Pastor assured, Ian, oh, he has not been raptured. <laughs> <laughs> he is there. He's out there, and we're thankful. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. You know, we'll we'll be back next week, and um, uh, we'll we'll get get into it a bit more. Um, and you know, carry on with with Mark chapter fourteen as we as we make our way through Mark's gospel. So thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, have a great week, everyone. Yes, have a wonderful week. God bless. See you for now. Bye.